and welcome to another episode of Cathode Ray Mission. It's a podcast where we're checking out shit on streaming services during the pandemic. And here we are again, another week, another movie. I am Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me, as always, in Oklahoma City is Randy Heyer. Hey, Randy. Will, how's it going? <laughs> I'm all right, man. How have you been? I'm doing well. Just living my life, chilling out as much as I can, as much as you can. I've been, honestly, one thing that this has made me do is figure out how to just be more chill, honestly. You know, like this. This podcast has has taught you that, or no, 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 no. The pandemic and everything that's been happening in the last year or so. You know, I I don't know. Just kind of like, because you know, when like you need to go to bed, you just like if you like kind of control your breathing and do like you know slow as you can, you'll kind of fall asleep eventually. Sort of like that, but in life form, I guess. Hi, I'm doing well. We have a guest (laughs) today. Let's introduce him. Yeah, we do have a guest. Uh, he has been on an episode before, and we're welcoming him back. He is a writer uh, and uh, co-host, creator, whatever, of Super Trash Brothers. It is, once again, O.J. Patterson. Hey, O.J. Oh, my goodness, my guys. It's my guys. Is there any will? Here we are. We're good. How have you been? Great to have you back, Yeah, O.J. I appreciate being back. And uh, you're with us now. We've this episode has to come out a little peek behind the curtain, but we just recorded a different episode with (laughs) Randy. Now it has to come out. No, that's how I do it. I do the the guest pick first and then our pick later. That's how I organize these releases of this. I got it. I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah. The method behind his madness. See, this is is why the Wizard of Oz is so relatable because you could have all the. You could have everything logistically planned out, but just one motherfucker <laughs> looks behind the curtain. What? <laughs> well, this week, uh, it's it's uh, my pick. I picked this movie, and I did that thing where I selected a movie that I have never heard of before, never seen it before. So this is a brand new one to me, and it turns out it's a brand new one to both of you. Yeah. This is... The Silent Partner from 1978. Yeah. Uh, and it is directed by Daryl Duke. Uh, and it stars uh, Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. It is a Canadian heist movie. Uh, I read the description. Uh, it said Elliot Gould works at a bank. Uh, Christopher Plummer is a mall Santa who robs the bank. And I said, I'm sold. Uh, that's all I needed to read and I picked this as the one that we were going to watch and boy am I glad I did because I really enjoyed it yes Um, so uh, OJ I know that you are uh, as new to this movie as I am so what what did you think of this movie oh man well first and foremost uh, I I'm I'm not I'm not young young but I'm I'm young and I feel like there's and culturally I feel like there's certain actors that I'm aware of like on the fringe or like if they heard what I know them from they'd be kind of bummed out and I think Elliot Gould my only interaction with him being those oceans movies would be kind of bummed yes out. yeah so I think first and foremost it's just the uh 
I was feeling this way with a couple movies I was watching during quarantine. There was just like, it's just so unnerving to know that if whether you love them or not, like these movies exist. There's so many movies that came out in the 70s of just like cultural icons, but they're so young. Like watching um, watching Pacino in Cruising or mm. watching uh, Hoffman in The Running Man and then watching uh, Elliot Gould in this. It's just like, oh, God, <laughs> you guys like were like handsome and virile and you weren't like playing up tropes. Yeah, yes. It is. We were talking about this. Yeah, man. We were talking about this earlier. Actually, it's crazy that Elliot Gould was one of the biggest stars of the seventies. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. and then he was like not a star ever again. You know, and he's in the Ocean's movies. We know him from that, but he's not at all been a presence in my life or yours. I'm assuming. Yeah, like Robert De Niro or Al Pacino, who made continued to make yeah successful movies into the nineties at least. You know, I mean, he he would show up. He was like on Friends for a while. As okay. someone's dad, yeah, but I mean that's peanut, like, though, you know. I know, but like that's like, and, that's what yeah. people like. I show a picture of them to someone younger, and it's like, oh yeah, someone's dad from Friends, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I do have a story about Elliot Gould, uh, where I met him and embarrassed myself. Uh, I was very nervous, <laughs> and this was, and I was I was in a green room. And I, he was next to me. I didn't go to him. He was next to me. And I said, Hey man, I, and I meant to say, I, I, I was a big fan of, uh, the long goodbye, Yeah. but I was really nervous. And I said, the long kiss, good night. <laughs> and I was like, really fan of the, of the long kiss, good night. And he goes, the long goodbye. And then just turns around and leaves. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm like, oh man. Uh, yeah. I really embarrassed myself in front yeah. of a. Uh, who was at one time the biggest celebrity in the United States. <laughs> I'm glad you shared yeah. that, man, because yeah. that's, that's very relatable. I feel like there's been a few people I've met in in real life that it's just like, it's just, it's just dumb. I know you from television. Why are you in front of me looking all normal? With shit? I know. It, it, I, the same, same thing. This is probably around the same year, but I also met Dan Aykroyd and I was like in the same situation in a green room. And I was just like, Hey man, I, I'm a big fan of trading places and he's like, great. And he kind of told me about the writers of that. I'm like, Oh, oh, okay. And then I was like, realized I didn't have anything else to talk to him. (laughs) See you later. And and I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I need to just like inject myself and meet celebrities anymore. Um, And you ever do that thing where you, you try to pretend like you don't know him. That's another fun thing. Um, well, okay. So it, the, the reason that I got to meet these folks was that I was working in a professional capacity where in some cases I actually had to work directly with like big celebrities and shit. Yeah. And so I had to be like a few of them, it would be like, okay, we're working through the day. You know, I'm doing this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Mm-hmm. End of the day. I'm like, that was great, man. Thank you so much. And they're like, oh no, thank you. And I'm like, Hey, yeah. A big, big fan, by the way. Thank you so much. It was great to work with you. Like mm, that yeah. is like the perfect situation yeah. where you all got to, cause I've also de- been in that situation where things did not go well <laughs> and I can be like, Oh, Hey man, bye. And pretend like I don't know who they are. Um, <laughs> but you know, if it does go well, I can be like, Hey, awesome. Great to work with you. Big fan for yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but that's my ideal situation because I get to know them on a professional level. 
at least a little bit instead of just coming in as another fan. You're kind of peers. You're kind of peers. I think that's that's a, a real a real gift because I think I think there's something either tribal or or just lizard brain that's just like ah oh, the thing that I know <laughs> and then you're, then you're over here just acting a fool uh, about the movie itself though. Uh, I think it's really colored by that that knowledge or lack of knowledge of, uh, of Elliot Gould. Just trying to find a comp for him is mm-hmm. very weird. Uh, just as a way to to relax my brain because just you know, mm. movies are so different than what they were back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a real element of for me like, oh, this is a grown up movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, this is like. At least twenty five rewrites on the draft. They had to like really put some push pins on the on the wall to really figure out the plot mechanics. Uh, he it's it's kind of charming all the dialogue, but it's really just like you know oh that's unrealistic. That's how a movie sounds. They're yeah. talking like they're in a movie. Uh, a lot of the action scenes were nuts. Uh, just that I, the idea of uh, like these aren't. Like a lot of those, like, I guess, thrillers or psychological thrillers or, or political thrillers from that time are just people running, jumping in the cars, <laughs> peeling out. Like, it wasn't like a prelude to driving through Rio with a, a safe on your back. Like, these were the highlights of the movie. That's what would be mm. in, the, in the commercials. And then uh, I love a good spy versus spy movie. I love a good, like... <laughs> these guys are going to kill each other <laughs> and it's just cat and mouse and it's real kind of like i don't even know if it says anything about the human condition because a lot of it is just like i'm not rooting for any of these guys they both seem like dicks yes. <laughs> but i guess i like elliot gould more because i saw his dirty ass apartment first <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I agree with a lot of that, especially this being like an adult movie. Um, mm-hmm. The weird thing is, like, this is a Canadian movie, which I didn't realize until I saw the money. It was very jarring. Yeah, you know, when you see the money, you're like, oh shit! But then, I mean, you see, then you see CN Tower, and you're like, oh, I mean, it's Toronto. I mean, this is a total. I love a, a good time capsule movie, and this mm-hmm. is Toronto '77 or whenever they shot this. It came out in '78. It's a beautiful look into the mall and then out into the city mm-hmm. beyond and stuff. And it's just, I, I love, thank God it exists just for that. Even if it was yeah. a, not a good movie, but it is, but yeah. Um, but like OJ on your last episode, we talked a little bit about um, Dawn of the Dead. And that also is like that early mall culture was kind of yes. like seeping in. Yeah. And, and this one too, it, it, you got to see what a shopping mall would look like around that time as that phenomenon was kind of like emerging, um, yeah. you know, kind of in North America, which is fucking cool as shit uh, for its own reasons. But you get to see the, like the decor of like that bank mm-hmm. and the fact that like a mall would be a place where like, oh yeah, you go to do your banking at the mall, you know, when you're shopping <laughs> for like fucking clothes and stuff. I never noticed that, but yeah, it's absolutely bonkers to imagine like having to go into a bank at the mall. Like yeah. the only thing I'm getting at the mall is quarters or tokens. Or like a, a case for your cell phone or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not 
transactions that determine my nut for the rest of the year. Yeah. There were people going to that place that were just like, oh, yeah, I, I have a nice little bank here. I'm going to mm-hmm. spend some money. Like it was like an ATM, but with people. Uh, I think the bank exists in the mall and there was a bank kind of like on mall property, but not in the mall uh, at Penn Square where I worked for a long time. It's so they can deposit like because the guy that's what the whole robbery is based around is when the guys in the mall is depositing money and yeah. stuff. Right. So, like, yeah. Like so, yeah, one of the guys. Yeah. yeah. So kind of the story the behind this themselves can deposit into the bank or whatever. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It's just never how I envisioned. No, it's like it would suck to just have a personal account there. Ugh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the whole story behind this this movie is that uh, Elliot Gould is as a bank teller. Um, you know, they got the customer as mentioned that drops off quite a bit of uh, of money, and he kind of foils um, or is involved in kind of this foiled um, bank robbery from this mall Santa or someone disguised as a mall Santa and that's played by Christopher Plummer. And so, um, Ellie Gould realizes what's about to happen. He realizes that this guy knows about the huge deposit that's about to happen. So he plans ahead, uh, and gives the dude all the money in the, in the till, but ends up stealing a bunch of money for himself. And so, um, Christopher Plummer gets away with a few thousand bucks, uh, but he learns that uh, more money was stolen. You know, they say X number of like X amount of dollars was stolen. Amount. Yeah, was stolen from the bank when Christopher Plummer only got w- way less than that. Mm-hmm. So he knows that uh, Elliot Gould has done something and has the rest of that money. He's a psycho, and he's going to kill track down and kill Elliot Gould to get the rest of his money. So that is the cat and mouse that comes about with um, Elliot Gould trying to steal from his own bank and also fight off this crazed bank robber. And the way they Uh, tease out that information, it's like, it's so awesome. It is a movie that like another like house, but in a different way, it will punish you for looking away because like... (laughs) A lot of things are revealed visually and it's teased mm-hmm. out slowly in a way that if you're with somebody that's like, wait a minute, what's going on? That can't just like patiently <laughs> trust trust that the movie will explain to you what happens ultimately, you know? Like, I don't know. It was good. I speaking to it being adult man, like they do not they straight up do not make movies like this anymore. No. You know? Like our parents and grandparents just enjoyed like an embarrassment of riches because i'm sure this isn't even like this isn't like academy award this even this isn't even marathon man level <laughs> no this, but it's still like an extremely fun good movie you know? know this one it was like it was made during a time like uh canada still has very good tax laws around making a movie which is why so many productions go up there but at the time this was made it was like even bigger and most People just used it as a tax shelter. And so not a lot of good movies were made. And this is considered like the only good movie that was made under that program. Yeah. And it's quite good. It's, so it's not saying that like, okay, this is the best of all of them that were made. This is a very good movie that also just happened to come out of a weird tax shelter law in Canada. <laughs> um, so it's, it, it's weird that, you know, it, it maybe didn't get that big of a push. But, uh, Randy, you mentioned that, like, when Christopher Blummer died, 
you heard someone mention that he was a villain in this movie, mm-hmm. that he's like well known for it. And um, yeah, he's fucking great and psychotic in this movie. Uh, oh, man. When there's spoil, I hope everybody watched the movie because I'm going to talk about <laughs> that happens late. But there's a woman, he gets put in jail because Elliot Gould and him sort of play like, it's like a cat and mouse, spy versus spy, like what uh, OJ was talking about, where they're just kind of like, they're kind of like battling, just a battle of wit, sort of like, and he gets it, uh, Christopher Plummer put in jail. But Christopher Plummer gets a beautiful woman to like pose as uh, Elliot Gould's deceased father's nurse, ex-nurse, and they fall in love or whatever. But then it's all about the money and stuff, you know. Anyway, this all leads up to Christopher Plummer, like many steps later, breaking (laughs) Elliot Gould's beloved fish tank and then sawing her head off with the broken glass. Like, I was like... I thought it was crazy when he cut her throat, but like he full on decapitates her. Yeah. The cat like the, the movie is not violent until that moment, really. I mean no, it's earlier, it's, like I don't know. Go it's on. it's it's super violent with that uh I think he's like he's with a I think he's with a sex worker in like some weird oh yeah 70s in a sauna. dungeon. Yes, I think that was the first time they established that he's uh, cuckoo's bananas. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I because it wasn't. How can I say this delicately? The the elements of their relationship was kind of presented as like just pure pulp, pure noir. Where like you know she's the femme fatale, she might get away with it, she might not, and they're like. No, <laughs> she is not only like going to be killed, but she's going to get overkilled. And it was it was very distressing. Yeah. Uh, also, it had that exploitation 70s vibe of just like, <clears throat> I don't care if you're first on the call sheet or your last. You're showing your titties. You're yeah. showing them. Yep. <laughs> full nudity. Full nudity. Full frontal nudity in this. I did not expect that. That was like Me either. Show. I was just like, damn movie. Jeez. <laughs> we didn't mention this, but in the other episode we did with OJ, House also had unexpected news. I was oh, like, Oh yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It felt very like like uh, you know, we we the the summer of love happened. Uh in a way that was like far enough, but also close enough that we could put this in our, our films before like the, uh, what was it? NPC, MPAA. MPAA. Yeah. They're just like, no, we shouldn't have people ripping out people's hearts out of their chest in a PG 13 movie. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Maybe we should dial that back. Uh, yeah, there's the, the cool thing about, this movie in particular is that and it's 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 no credit to the movie i should say uh to preface but like to know something can't be resolved easily immediately makes anything forgivable you know or it's just mm-hmm. like oh man <laughs> that's a weird coincidence that she threw away the key he had. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, no, if, if, if that happened in 1977, you're not getting that key back. 
You're not going to have a scene where he like jumps on the truck. I I thought that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. And and then when he just stopped and I was like, all right, there's like half the movie left on. Yeah, like yeah. There's no cell phones. There's no. I bet there's no debit cards. It's just like, uh, 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 yep. What uh, you got any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I mean that that sets up. So the thing is, is like he puts the money in the safe deposit box at his own place of his own bank, mm-hmm. and then he loses the key to that safe deposit box. So he has to figure out how to somehow get a locksmith out. Well, not he, cause that's not supposed to be his. It's like under someone else's name. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. really sneaky. So, uh, yeah, there's just so many things kind of going on where he's like, okay, if he doesn't get this out, that other guy is going to kill him. But <laughs> even if he gets the money out, that guy is going to kill him. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's, it's really a no win situation. And I think the resolution of the whole movie was pretty cool in the way that he decides to do that. Essentially, the same heist again, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of having a better sense of what's going on this time, and the expectation that Christopher Plummer is coming in, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of gets it over on him. But still, as we kind of mentioned earlier, like Elliot Gould is not a good person in this movie. He's, like, <laughs> he's also a bad guy. He's just the better of the two bad guys. Yeah, um, he he'll 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 break your heart. He won't rip it yeah. out of your chest and say Kalima. Um, I do also want to mention that this movie takes place over a period of time. It starts off during like the Christmas holiday season, mm-hmm. and then you know Christopher Plummer goes to jail for many years, and then comes or for uh, an amount of time, and then gets out. And so mm-hmm. um, we fill that time very interestingly with this other plot about some co-workers who work at the bank. Yeah. One of John which Candy. John Candy, who, who showed up in this movie, did not expect that either. I loved it, man. He was it good. Was great too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So John Candy is very young. Uh, this is, you know, uh, probably while he was doing SCTV, but before he had really broken out and done any big movies and he's a supporting character in this movie. And, uh, man, it's always great to see John Candy show up and, uh, and, uh, not have much to do, but, uh, he's got long hair. <laughs> want to see that shit. So. Well, it felt very like Jack Black and I still know what you did last summer or, um, God, I feel a few Adam Sandler roles when he was doing sitcoms where it's just like to it's know, to know the peak of their mm-hmm. comedy prowess is coming, but it's not, it's nowhere close. It's nowhere close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I think, I, I, I think they, in the nineties, they really nailed like who were the cultural icons based on, uh, just a, a vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that vibe could only exist in those movies and in any other movies. They're just regular guys. They're kind of yeah. goofy looking, but they're just regular guys. Yeah. It's kind of like how when you go back and, and uh, George Clooney shows up on The Facts of Life. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Was I, got, I got another one of those in one of the suggestions. I see. It's just funny to think that like 
people were allowed to be more versatile and not as like a flex. I feel like Adam Sandler and like Punch Drunk Love is a flex or Uncut Gem is a flex. And it's just like, nah, we just like either we're early in our careers and we needed the money or the exposure or whatever. It was a Mm -hmm. good part. Or, you know, um, you know, it was just work for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that. And, you know, you get to a certain point in your career where you're like, okay, um, you know, I did, uh, I don't know, In Living Color. I did uh, Ace Ventura. And now I want to do something a little bit more serious. So you do like the Truman Show. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more. It's very curated. I think, yeah. I yeah. That. So, I mean, but um, yeah, if you've seen that movie, like going overboard or something with Adam Sandler, his first starring movie. No, oh, Jesus. Yeah. That movie is terrible. <laughs> it's awful. It really is. But like Billy Zane is in that movie and Bill <laughs> Horton shows up. Also, you're like, Whew. really? And going overboard? Oh, yeah. Like Billy Bob Thornton's like this guy. He's just like, hey, man, what are you what are you talking about? Get off the stage. And then that's it. He's done. Man, we threw <laughs> and, on uh, Sling Blade last night. Speaking oh, of yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, terrific movie, man. I've been held up a times. Uh, Jim Jarmusch in that movie is great. His cameo. Oh, uh, yeah. As the <laughs> burger stand guy. Yeah. The fries are good. Oh, uh, the fries are good. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. So this movie, it um, it hits a lot of like those. It, it is like a Ocean's Eleven style, like heisty thing, just not a stylized. Uh-huh. Uh, the Canadian version, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it, it is one of those great movies where it's just like a, about a regular person who kind of gets caught up in something bigger mm-hmm. and something it reminded me of. If you've ever seen Blowout, uh, Randy, mm-hmm. I know you have, but OJ, have you heard of that one? No, what's that? That is, uh, uh, De Palma and it's got John Travolta in it. Okay. And he's a sound recordist for movies oh. and he ends up recording, uh, an assassination on microphone. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's very awesome. much like I love it. High tension, like and then you, you follow, got Lithgow as like a psychopath who's like yeah. coming at him and shit. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Man, uh, what what is that trope? Because I feel like it's I wouldn't say that it's the jokerfication of <laughs> of of movie nemesis. I wouldn't say that. But there's just such a, a perverse desire to see someone morally upright have to deal with like the scariest person they could have yeah. imagined. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, I mean, like, uh, if you've seen No Country for Old Men, it's yeah. just like oh, Josh Cohen yeah. just stumbles onto some money and there is a um, person who is not going to stop until he gets it back. Yeah. You know, and then um, in that movie that uh, The Counselor, which was also written by McCarthy, mm-hmm. um there's a there's a central little there's an engine in there, a little motor that they use to cut people's heads off because oh, <laughs> once it starts it it doesn't stop no matter what. It's called and a bolito, so, I believe. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And so it it it's a little motor that has a zip tie around it and it pulls the zip tie. You know, it just keeps pulling it and it will never stop once you start it. And it's just that kind of mechanized like evil. Like got a job to do. Oh, we'll do everything. You can shoot me. You can cut my leg off. I will keep going until I can literally n- not move any any further. Are you a fan of goal. the counselor, Will? Have we talked about this before? Uh, no, I'm not a fan of it. I saw it <laughs> in the theater 
during a preview screening when they were getting audience reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to watch when I went in there. And I st- stayed after and they got my opinion. And I ultimately said, I'm like, I, I don't think it's a good movie for the general public. And I don't even think it's a good recommendation for Cormac McCarthy fans. <laughs> and Cormac McCarthy was there when I said that. I didn't know it at the time, but he was behind me. Um, <laughs> so that was that was my other embarrassing. Yeah, could this become moment. a recurring uh, segment on the show? Yeah, well, just the like, times I've embarrassed myself. Mouth with Will Scoville. <laughs> I think no. it's I think it's a late career masterpiece for Ridley. Do you really? Scott, personally, I, I love it. Yeah, I need to check it, it out again. I didn't times. see. I didn't see the final version. <laughs> I saw uh-huh. a rough cut of it. So maybe, uh, okay. Maybe it got better, but I mean, people notoriously hated it. But I, I was, I didn't like shocked at when I heard like, so I, I was so deep into reading um, like George V Higgins and Jim Thompson and stuff like that when I was um, when that movie came out, and so it just seemed really felt like almost like a riff on. George V. Higgins, who wrote The Friends of Eddie Coyle and uh, Kogan's mm-hmm. Trade, which was made into Killing Them Softly. It's very conversation-based and stuff, and that's what that movie is. And it's like, but with, you know, Cormac McCarthy writing it, it's like, it's got this kind of like philosophical, yeah, like, almost like biblical, I don't know, edge to it. It's, and the whole, the whole tie, the thing, you literally see, they discuss what it is, yeah, they set it up. You literally see it happen to a character. I won't reveal who, but it also is a metaphor for what happens right. to the main character, of course. You know, and it's it's cool. I like it. I think it's a good. I movie. mean, I got it. I understood it. I just. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> oh, I, I, oh no no! I was saying for the listener. I was just. Yeah yeah yeah. You know, no no no. I was like, explaining that what it means. No 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 no. To you, my bad. I didn't. No no no. That that's way. that's the thing is that like when I was when I watched it and when I was uh-huh. explaining why I didn't like it is like. I understood that I got what they were going for. Oh, like I got okay, what okay. The, the whole metaphor was. And it's just like, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't like it. And you mentioned Jim Thompson, like that around the same time that um, Killer Inside Me movie came out, mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't like that either. And oh, man, I did. You did? I also liked that, yeah. I, re- I went back, I read the book a couple times since then. I love that book. That book is great, yeah. but that movie just like... Did not do it for me. It hmm. was. I feel like it's a really good adaptation of the book. I don't know. I I think it's a literal adaptation, and it just in in that regards, some sometimes that doesn't work. Okay. Um, you know, like that Watchmen movie, which I think is too literal of an adaptation of the comic book. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you didn't like them having sex. The Hallelujah. Are you not oh, a red blooded American? What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I kind of personally like that kind of thing because Cosmopolis is like that too. Have you seen it, that? I haven't seen the, that. I haven't read that either. Don DeLillo adapted by Cronenberg. But um, like I read the whole book is like um, internal monologue of the character. And then the book, uh, the movie is just like literally what's happening, you know, in the, in the book. And so mm-hmm. like you don't get any of any of the content of the book, like, but having read the book and then watching the movie, I felt like the way Cronenberg made the movie, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit, that he knew 
his idea was that I would have read the book and then I watched the movie and like Robert Pattinson knows what it is and like they were acting it out, but it wasn't in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm struggling for words here. Were they, okay, so they, they were but finding like, a different way to express that same idea that was expressed through like yeah. monologue. Yeah, doing- exactly. And so like, but I know what's going on in his head as, and I Cronenberg hopes that I know what's going mm. hopes that I've read the book and I know what's going on in his head, but he's not doing yeah. that work for me, I guess, in the movie. And so it is sort of a literal adaptation in a way. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, and for, for like the killer inside me, I think that so much of that with the book and then the same thing with like pop 1280 it's you know especially with pop 1280 it's that slow reveal that this isn't a dumbass we're, we're dealing with it's like mm-hmm. a psycho um and that is kind of repeated in the killer inside me but in the movie i just didn't grasp onto that and i and i talked to someone else um who watched it just some guy i worked with who mentioned that he saw it and i'm like oh yeah what did you think and he's like i didn't understand what was going on and i'm like okay so there is something to that, you know, mm. um, and then after reading it, it really didn't change my opinion of it. I don't know, but maybe I'll go back and watch it again. Have you so. seen The Killer Inside Me, OJ? Nah, what, what's it about? It's about yeah. a, a sheriff who acts like he's an aloof dumbass, but he's secretly like a sociopathic. Uh, he's like really intelligent and he's just like, basically exists to inflict pain in some yeah. like games oh, with people. Like yeah. he he does some bad things specifically like to women and stuff like that. Yeah. And the movie depicts the movie unflinchingly depicts the things he does in the book, which yeah. uh was a lot. It is a lot. And it's the reason I'm not like I say I liked the movie, but I'm I'm not like watching that movie over and over. You know, I think I've no, I mean, twice. It, you yeah, know, I, I watched it. I read the book, and then I watched it again. I was like, "Yep, yeah, it's pretty good." <laughs> like, like imagine a lot of the stuff of American Psycho, but it's adapted from a book written in like the '50s and oh. set in like Oklahoma. Okay, um, so it's like that kind of a character. So wait, what is it? Because like I I I haven't you know, watched or, or read American Psycho, but it, it everything I've heard about it is is very much like it's a take on I guess Wall Street and like general American elitism and exceptionalism. What is um, what are they trying to say about in the killer inside me? Killer inside me is just about it's just a character study of like this manipulative person. Okay. And um no, he is law enforcement, though. Yeah, I mean, but it's sort of like it's pretty vague, honestly, about like yeah. if it has like any kind of message, you know, and like a sense that we think of today that way. You know? I mean, Golden yeah. State Killer, right? It's yeah. like there's there's a there's a large uh, reckoning, if not in our lifetimes, but later, of all this craziness that people could have gotten away with in the 50s and 60s mm. and 70s. I mean, yeah. I mean, e- even nowadays you've got, in Oklahoma, you got that, what's his name, that cop who was fucking put away and you still have people who are standing for him. Uh, oh, Randy, yeah. who am I talking about? Yeah. Holtz, uh, Daniel Holtzclaw. Yeah. The um, rapist, the oh, serial yeah. rapist cop. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's the, like. 
the fucking the video vigilantes like crusades for him and stuff. Fucking creep. God damn. Anyone listening who doesn't know who the video vigilante is, he's I think he's made national headlines. He's probably had shit on a hard copy or he's forgotten at this point, I think. And right. He comes up every few years though, because he had yeah. When I was working at the news station, he had a video of a of a police beating, which OJ essentially he his main his main gig is uh filming prostitutes in a certain part of OKC. Okay. Uh, and then he would have a TV show called John TV and he would just post the Johns. He would like go up to people's cars where they were having sex and just open the door and videotape them and put it on TV. And It's rude. Uh, it's just like... It's not even revenge uh, porn. I don't even know what that no. is. <laughs> like, this is crime happening in my city and I'm here to stop it. I'm and I'm committing here. one to show you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turned out he was like... He was like paying prostitutes to go do this stuff and he got arrested and you know he's a terrible person yeah yeah mostly he sells a lot of stuff to news news uh stations so it sounds like like a nightcrawler where there's pretty much yeah that's that's what he that's what he does i think yeah or william simpsons where he's like everybody does it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i think there's there's such a uh I mean, it's potent. It's not discussed enough. It's probably not even done enough. But the the idea of uh, being a voyeur is so Mm -hmm. it's probably more complex now because we're all like (laughs) being like, hey, voyeurize me, baby. (laughs) Yeah. But also (laughs) your attention. If you all have seen the the Britney doc. uh, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. That is like they you know, it really does kind of uh, talk about folks like that who really like. To the point of they are selling this stuff because people want it to the point where they would ruin someone's life. Yeah. Um, you know, spoiler alert, Brittany got treated badly. <laughs> yeah. Where is the, uh, where can I find that documentary, Will? I think that's on Hulu. That's brand new. Um, are you guys... Very good. Not to put us further adrift from talking <laughs> at all about the sign partner, but have you guys watched Pharaoh v. Allen No, all? not yet. No, that one... I don't, I watched Finding Neverland and I'm like, okay, that was like my final, like nothing to do with Michael Jackson anymore. Yeah. And then, um, I'm already done with Woody Allen, so I don't need to, I don't need to suffer through what he's done. More information about that. I'm done with him. So yeah, he's, he's done. (laughs) Yeah. No more. Dude, this is pretty, it's pretty crazy, man. Well, I'm glad we caught it early. You know, with all the, uh, <laughs> I love how all these like movies and documentaries are just like retrospectives on things that I know. And it's like, shit, we were talking about with Michael Jackson, that was going on forever. Like people were saying yeah. that forever. Yeah. And it's just like, it, but did it have great panning shots? <laughs> did it, have, yeah. did it have a reenactor, but like from the back? So, you know, it's classy. Like, yeah. Them. Did you have a, did you have a drone that was going yeah. up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have like beautiful lighting in a very terrible looking house? Like, well, this this is interesting because it's like all this like tons of home video footage. Oh no! Of like <laughs> him God. hanging out with the kids, and it's just like it's a weird. It's way more revealing than you would have expected. Than I, expected, yeah, really. yeah. Well, have you guys seen the assistant yet? 
No, what's that? It's a movie about uh, basically the uh, Weinstein situation. Oh, uh, from the Jesus. perspective of like a female existent. And there is that element of just like it's like Jaws, where you don't really see them, you only hear them, and it's it's terrifying when you do. But there's also an element of just like nothing we can do in fiction can feel like we're not just exploitive pieces of shit by telling the story. I know, yeah. I, compared I to a, it actually happening and documenting it and telling those stories. I, I really do hate that, you know, that movie Bombshell about the Fox News stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, do I really want to go see this? Like, oh, it's got all my favorite movie stars in it. And, you know, buying a, buying a bucket of popcorn to go watch this movie about, like, people being abused, yeah. real people being abused. And it's just like, I don't necessarily <laughs> some red that. vines, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, like, it, it, that's hard. That's hard because it's like coming out. You know, with the Woody Allen thing, it's like it's coming out as a product on HBO meant to drive subscriptions. And it's not yeah, like, weird. you know, I, I've also just watched the the new Adam Curtis thing. And it, like, that's a BBC thing. That's a publicly funded <laughs> thing. And it's like, it's way different. It's being presented as a piece of informational cultural thing funded by the government. Um, so it like, it, it's a different context uh, a bit. Than like going to the movies and watching this thing. So yeah, I do find it interesting that HBO Max offers Woody Allen movies as well. Like you can <laughs> oh, do they really stream Woody Allen movies through HBO Max? Yeah. Of course, and you're paying him whenever you subscribe. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I already well, had the subscription, so this just popped up, and I watched it, and it was kind of interesting. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think we've gotten far off topic. Silent, silent partner. I think it's about time we take a quick break and then come back for the big roundup. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. <laughs> Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at SupDocPodcast.
Okay, we are back, and it is time now for the big roundup. And OJ, we're going to start with you on a one to five star scale. What would you give the silent partner? Oh, I'd give it four out of five. I think our our conversation, our tendential conversations, notwithstanding, it's a fascinating movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very clever, very uh, very uh, kinetic in terms of of just uh, you know the the same spaces are rendered in ways that are you know drive tension or drive comfort and a full spectrum of emotions is, is expressed uh you know I, had, had had i wished that all just one but not all of the women to be two-dimensional caricatures of the <laughs> fussy lady from work that you kind of have a crush on and like yeah this femme fatale that I you know where did she come from uh but all those criticisms, uh, notwithstanding, and understanding that it's a product of its time, uh, you know, it, if you are feeling saturated with a bunch of Marvel this, Star Wars that, and you just want, like, a movie that is divorced from the context of where cinema is going, it's great. It's a great little, great little flick. Cool. Randy, what you got? Yeah. Oh, pardon me. Please have me on you. That's me. Was I that boring, Randy? No, 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 no. Um, Silent Partner. I was delighted with this movie. Uh, all, yeah. This was uh, just one of those movies, and it's a testament. We were talking about earlier about Elliot Gould, and like he was one of the biggest stars, and it's like kind of crazy to think about. If you didn't live through the 70s, that seems like kind of weird, you know? And I, I can't think of off the top of my head any star like that that existed only in the 90s or only in the 2000s even, mm -hmm. but they definitely exist. Like, there's definitely examples of those types of people you know that like they're big they they made no big movies after a certain point but gutenberg yeah no <laughs> gutenberg is a that's a great example yeah <laughs> like he was a huge megastar of the 80s and then period like there was no the 90s it just dried up immediately yep. forever you know and uh but uh this like i don't know you dig through movies like that sometimes and like a lot of them were lost for a reason and shit but <laughs> this was just well made i've never heard of this director but i think it's written by curtis hansen right uh might mm. be i might be mistaken on that but curtis hansen yes you're is, right you're right yeah the director of la confidential eight mile wonder boys the hand yep. they rocks the cradle so <laughs> you know i thought it was a really good there was a point where I had to pause it and like, I don't know, take my dog outside or something. And I was just thinking like, wow, this is so dense with stuff that's happened. This movie is good. I'm enjoying it. It's like, how much more do we have? And there was a full hour left. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, are they going to be able to maintain how much I'm enjoying this? And I think they really did. Honestly, like I all the way till the end, I thought the ending was very... It was funny, but also macabre and crazy, you know, and like 
to spoil it for everybody, he comes dressed as a woman and then gets shot on the escalator in front of everybody. But you can hear the screams echoing through the mall and the way that the sound, I don't know, is very, it's very frightening, you know, especially now in the times we live in where like you do have people shooting guns in public places like that. Yeah. And stuff. And it was just very, I don't know, that was very chilling to me. But like yeah. in this movie, this movie had a lot of really cool tone shifts and stuff that I, I enjoyed a lot. And like, yeah, Elliot Gould does make some very morally questionable decisions throughout the movie beyond like way beyond stealing money from the bank. Yeah. Like, and I liked it a lot. And yeah, I, I hate, I don't hate, but I'm just, it's like, fuck our parents and our grandparents, like all the movies <laughs> that they got to see. And then we yeah. literally I'm sifting through like, it's all comic book. It's all comic book stuff now, or it's all sequels to movies. The it's just anyway. I think I'm gonna give this four and a half out of five stars. I thought this is a terrific movie. I wish we could at least if we could have ten movies like this a year, I'd be happy. But yeah. we get like about one every five. It seems like so, and this isn't even top tier of its time, you know. But this is a yeah. They had it better back then. Good movie. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, I, I'm going to echo a lot of that. And um, I will say that I am in the process of going through all the Marvel movies right now. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I was telling Randy that I've uh, there's some I haven't seen. A lot of them I've seen just kind of like half watched some of them. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm watching them in an order that I now have context for the full storyline. Uh, okay. Now that I'm really into like WandaVision. Yeah. And so it's my first like big real like I'm paying attention to everything that's going on. Mm. Um but that being said, I like those movies. I like a lot of them. Oh, they're uh, great. And and I and I know that that's a big complaint that everything is that now, and I do agree that I don't like that everything is is that. I wish that we just had the Marvel movies coming out and then everything else was stuff like this. Yeah. So that I could go see my big tentpole fun action movies and then just have like this string of like this this kind of movie instead of like I don't know another Hotel Transylvania or something, yeah, uh, filling up that space. Um, but for this for the rating, I would give this I'm going to give it four stars. It's one of those where um, it's just something you put on randomly, and it just turns out to be a great movie. And it's kind of like one of those things that you would catch on cable that you would not have otherwise watched, and it kind of becomes something like oh yeah you got to check this out. It's like Mm -hmm. This happens and this happens. Um, and it's one that I have not really ha heard anyone talk about either. So um, I think it's due for kind of a rediscovery for, for some folks. And I hope that happens because I would love to talk to people about it. Um, so, yeah, four, four stars from me uh, for this cool. one. And as far as recommendations go, OJ, you got anything based on this one? Yeah. Well, you know, there's vibes of... Uh there's vibes of uh, Inside Man and yeah. Office Space. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, or there are kind of some Office Space. Like, I didn't I, even like, connect that. That's a good one. I didn't either, but yeah, that's a good. The but, light, fun parts are good. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd say more than anything, and I'm, you know, it's probably everyone has seen it but i'm surprised when they haven't is uh sympathy for mr vengeance 
the mm-hmm. first of the uh, the Vengeance trilogy that uh, includes Lady Vengeance and and the most popular and well known Old Boy, and uh, the sympathy for Mister Vengeance just just struck me with that. I I feel like there's certain elements of cat and mouse movies where like <laughs> like you know like one of them has like no chance like either the other person's so scary and so smart that you're just like well it's just a, we're just delaying the inevitable <laughs> that, that person's going to get that other person um but we don't know who that person you know who the antagonist or who the who the the baddie is and then there's other ones where it's just like oh well you know, it probably some of this movie is just like, well, you know, I, I could, couldn't imagine Elliot Gould taking two in the in the piece in the head in the dome. And then yeah. I don't think that's how this movie's gonna end. Uh but I think with sympathy with for Mr. Vengeance, it's it's so sprawling and it's kind of like a modern epic in the sense that it kind of touches on everything and nothing at the same time, and there's probably a cultural uh, national element that is understated, but also very present, and it just has this this energy of dread, you know. Like, regardless of the results of the movie even going well for those people involved, they're in a terrible situation, and there's a level of desperation that makes everything reasonable. And everything just a little bit too far. They're going a little bit too far. And you're just knowing that the you're rendering two normal people into such psychotic exploits. Just it's it doesn't say everything about the human condition, but it definitely puts me in a perspective of just like, yeah, it really be like that sometimes. <laughs> this is this is nuts. But yeah, you know, wars are are wars are raged and waged on these very personal uh, grievances, and it was cool to see it done so uh, beautifully. Mm. Cool. I haven't seen that. I need to check that out now. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well. Oh uh, yeah, it's awesome. I actually, I think. It's my favorite of that trilogy for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's that's a Sympathy part of the old old boy is part of that trilogy. It's like a spiritual. It was like Dramatic. when yeah. It was like when uh, what's his name did the movie about the shooter, and then he did elephant, and then he did last oh. days, and then it was yeah. just like all right, he's mm-hmm. in a he's in a zone. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've I've seen the remake of Old Boy, the the Spike Lee remake. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. that's the only that's the only version I've seen. Um, yeah, that was, is, uh, it was okay, but just so super unnecessary, I thought. Yeah. So, uh, Randy, you got any recommendations? Uh, based well, on- I don't know. This movie just kind of like my favorite, my all-time favorite, just like adults had it better than us. And this is even a PG, it's not even rated R, but a PG-13 movie is The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. I just okay. that movie, it's so like satisfies everyone you know it's mm-hmm. like a badass has all these great action scenes but it's like a smart movie you know with like a mystery and shit and i don't know i had that on the brain and then i was also thinking about one of the only movies that has satisfied that 
that need I need for like uh, adult thrillers and stuff like that recently in the last this isn't even a recent movie now um prisoners have you guys watched that movie yeah. with uh jake gyllenhaal hugh jackman terrence howard uh viola davis and maria bello i don't know that's not the order probably the cast was <laughs> but uh it's a movie about like these kids are abducted and this dad thinks it's this guy and he this guy gets like taken in but he gets let out and so the dad like kidnaps him and basically does like crazy like torture techniques and stuff to extract like a confession from him to find his daughter but oh, he may yeah. or may not be right and shit and it's they like, like put him in a in a bathroom in like an abandoned house right? yes yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's paul dano is like that dude too yeah and it's the director it's the same guy who made <gasps> the new blade runner movie and oh, okay dune and stuff like that but like that movie it's just it's just very it's very good it's serious okay. and awesome and it's just made for it's like just for adults you know i love a good movie that is like just like straight up for me as a 36 year old and not for a kid in any way you know like yeah i like that and that's how i feel about the silent partner too like i don't think like maybe a kid would could watch it and enjoy it but it's really made just for like people our age you know <laughs> to like watch our like our we're in that demographic now and i i enjoyed it so yeah those are my two recommendations i guess there's tons of movies like this obviously but go on um mine mentioned before is blowout i think that is such a great um you know De Palma is such a fan of of hitchcock yeah and um he really draws out that tension in that movie a lot uh and just um, being a movie about uh, uh, about someone who works on the movies and a crime movie about someone who works on the movies is really interesting. And there's a fantastic scene when uh, all of John Travolta's tape gets deleted and he's playing all the tapes at once and it's just this weird pulsing buzzing sound uh, coming from it. It's just an amazing scene. Um, and then just kind of his obsession with the whole thing and the fact that he's fucked up before and he's trying not to fuck up again. And there's a good chance that he will. Um, there's so much tension in that. And John Travolta is just one of those where he's like, God damn, he's really good in this movie. Like yeah. when he wants to, he can be a great actor. Yeah. Um, and he's, he was still young in that movie and man, it was fantastic. So mm. uh, very, a lot of the same vibes of this movie are in blowout. So that's, that is my recommendation. Cool. Or this week. All right. We're at uh, the end of the show. So uh, it's time for plugs. OJ, what do you got going on? Yo, uh, of course, I would be remiss if I, I didn't bring up the Super Trash Bros. Uh, you know, we are a video game and comedy and drinking show based out of San Francisco, based out of New York. Uh, we've been running about seven years or so. Uh, we're not bros. It's a pun on Super Smash Bros. Uh, you know, shout out to Nintendo for that dumbass naming convention. Uh, <laughs> we don't get too drunk because you know we you know we, we we're adults. One of us got a baby, so chill <laughs> out. Uh, but yeah, it's just 
uh, an opportunity to uh, hang out with some people on the internet. Uh, we basically have a drinking game on every game. So if you're playing Smash and you see one of us uh, take a sma- final smash to the face, uh, take three drinks along with us. Uh, we're very friendly. We got uh, Discord. We got uh, our socials. But uh, for all that information, go to supertrashrose.com. Excellent. Randy, yeah. what you got going on? Oh, nothing. <laughs> I got nothing going on. I don't know. This is probably going to come out later, right? Because yeah. a little peek behind the curtain. At some point at our 52nd episode, there's going to be some sort of like, you know, we've been on for a year type situation going on. Yeah. Like, we're thinking so this about might it. be in the pocket for a little bit. So maybe by this point, will we each have $1,400 in our bank accounts? <laughs> Do you think that will happen at least? I don't know I don't, anymore, man. I don't know that it, that will will ever get stimulus. I was just thinking about that. <clears throat> yeah, what if we just go through the whole thing and we don't get anything? Like straight like again? Yeah, I yeah. saw that the house passed it, but maybe we're going to be. I'm just saying, projecting this will be distant in the future from today when we're recording. Maybe some kind of thing will have happened, but it's already way too late. For them not to be just shit ass liars, you know, and already doing way below even barest expectation. Anyway, I have nothing to plug. Will Chapile, <laughs> I hope you're well. OJ, it's been fun having you on here. Oh, thank you, Randy. Uh, Will, what do you have to plug? For I got the usual stuff. I got uh, Nerd Rage of the Great Debates, fun, uh, stupid uh, debate game show that I absolutely love doing. Uh, every week, find that wherever you find podcasts, as well as SupDoc. It's very much like this show, but with uh, George and Paco are reviewing documentaries. A lot of times they have guests as well. Um, I've been doing that for, I don't know, at least five years now, maybe six years almost. Uh, so quite a few number of episodes of that. That comes out every two weeks. So that's on a little bit different schedule. And then, of course, this show. Share it with your friends, neighbors, family, whoever is into movies and liking who likes to listen to two guys talk about them. Um, I will second that. You should recommend this podcast to yeah. people, you know. Yeah. And then I'll tell us it. what you wanna tell us what <laughs> you wanna you. want us to talk about if we're if we're fucking shit up. If you want to yell at us, go ahead. We may or may not listen to you. Who knows? Depends who on knows? Maybe in a few months we'll notice that you commented and we'll bring it up. <laughs> Keep checking back in to find out. All right, uh, that's about it for this week. Thank you both for for coming on and watching this uh, movie that's brand new to me. And I'm glad that you both enjoyed it about as much as I enjoyed it. I loved it, man. Yeah. OJ, thanks again for coming on. uh, And we'll definitely have you back. This is a good chat. Cool. All right. And until next week, everyone, I'll see you then. See you later.